You are on Max's Island, a podcast by Meet Max Power. On Max's Island podcast, you'll hear the lived experiences of people who choose to live life a little differently. It might be a story of when they took time out and dared to do something crazy. Perhaps they made a decision to leave it all behind and follow their dreams. Or maybe they just stopped listening to what other people thought and did what was right for them. This experience becomes a story that is part of them and one that you need to hear. So, now that you're on Max's Island, listen to the wisdom in these stories and you too will be inspired to do what you have always wanted to do. Today with me on Max's Island, I've got Simon White. I've known Simon for a number of years now, so welcome to Max's Island, Simon. Thanks, Tony. It's a uh, pleasure to be here. Finally, it's taken us a little it while to get to this point. It has. Uh, Simon, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, just as an intro. A brief description of myself, I'd probably say that I'm an okay rider and a pretty bad golfer, but I'm keen on both of them, I would say. Enthusiastic. Well, well, from my knowledge, and uh, I think you're actually a really good writer. Oh, thank uh, I, you. I, I do enjoy reading uh, your work. And probably the average golfer bit, I don't think, I think you're understating that a little bit, although President Wilco will probably have a different opinion. <laughs> President Wilco has a lot of different opinions on a lot of different things. <laughs> we'll steer away from that. Yeah, we will. Anyway, you're on Max's Island today. Simon, and when we're on Max's Island, we like our guests to tell a story about a time when they changed the course of their life, perhaps did something a little bit different for themselves, or where they chose just to uh, be a little selfish and do something that they always wanted to do. So the microphone's yours. Welcome to Max's Island. Thank you. It's a uh, yeah, it's strange to be telling my story. Obviously, you know, I've been a journalist for a long time and have told plenty of other people's stories so to be telling my own is is slightly unusual thinking back to a time when I did something different and and changed my life I probably think back to the probably the first uh, six months of 2018 at that stage I was the editor of uh, the west.com.au before that being the editor of watoday.com.au um, probably got to a point where I wondered where my life was going and I wondered where my um, career was going. It, an awful lot of time goes into online editing. You've got to be switched on the whole time. And I really thought that um, my life and my, in my enjoyment of it, it in a lot of ways, um, my golf, which I love, um, my interaction with my family, I, I kind of felt like it was suffering because of my work. Combination of things there, the, the environment... I was in at, at that stage probably wasn't the best in terms of work-life balance and, and work-life culture and have to admit that I was my own worst enemy in a lot of instances. You know, 
presented with the opportunity, I will overwork. So that's something I had to um, wrap my head around. And ultimately, I decided to to make a change, um, step away from the online news environment, which I'd been in for the best part of eight or nine years by that stage, and, and look for something else. And here I am today. So you were on the, in the online space for for that period of time, but you'd been a journo for a bit longer than that, hadn't you? So you'd, you'd um, been in the print world and, and done other things around that space? Yeah, so I started as a cadet at the Kalgoorlie Miner in, in 2000 and <laughs> 2002. I, uh, I remember having a job interview on a Tuesday morning and by the next Sunday, so you know, four days later, I was on a train moving to Kalgoorlie without having been there before and never worked as a as a journalist before that. So yeah, started as a print journalist there, did a cadetship there. Back in those days, there was no um, Kalgoorlie Minor website, so it was exclusively print. And then yeah, traveled around the country a bit after that, went to work for the Brisbane Lions for a little while, uh, worked for a few years at the Adelaide Advertiser and then eventually returned to Perth uh, 2011, I think it was. So So you would have experienced, um, especially starting in Kalgoorlie, some incredible characters up there. Oh, what totally. a great opportunity to, to really learn your trade, interviewing people that were pretty genuine and um, very probably keen to have a comment or two. Oh yeah, some of the best uh, best years of my life there. Really, like I, you know, young, bit footloose and fancy free. My my liver was functioning better <laughs> than <laughs> had no uh, no concept of budgeting. I mean, we were incredibly lucky. We were. Um, you know the the people who worked worked uh, moved to Kalgoorlie to work for the miner um, got uh, rent subsidies and rent it was before the um, mining boom really took place and the gold price went off so rent was very cheap so I think um, I think I was paying I think it was paying eighty bucks for my half of a um, of a unit place that I was renting with a mate. Uh, and then I got a $40 subsidy from the miner to be there. So oh, wow. it's paying 40 bucks a week in rent. Fantastic. <laughs> I'd, love to, I'd love to say that I used all my... I, admittedly, I wasn't getting paid very much, but I'd love to say that I used my uh, finances wisely and saved a lot while I was there, but an awful lot went in the uh, pubs. But yeah, <laughs> it was a, a great opportunity, great lifestyle. Loved covering the sport up there. There's a thriving sporting culture get down to the local footy, mix with the footy players, played a fair bit of basketball, um, you know, covered horse racing, covered cricket. I uh, always say that I'm lucky enough to be one of the few people who's covered both the Norseman Cup and the uh, Melbourne Cup for their uh, <laughs> in their career. And the um, weirdly enough, I d- distinctly remember this in my mind, the day that um, I went to the Norseman Cup, there was legitimately a two-horse race and the horse that lost uh, the race in Norseman raced a few weeks later at Mooney Valley. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. So, How did it go at Mooney Valley? Uh, <laughs> no, not real great. I think it gave a bit of a sight. From memory, it was, it was trained uh, sort of through some connections I knew. It was a very fast horse, but um, probably didn't run out a full 1,000 uh, metres, ran out of puff. So you said you went then to the Brisbane Lions. That would have been interesting. Was what era was that? Was that after their healthy <laughs> yeah, years? Yeah. I think I was a kiss of death. <laughs> they, you know, they'd won uh, before I got there. The years immediately before I got there, they won three premierships in a row and then played in the grand final and got beaten by Port. I got there two thousand and five. They didn't make the finals that year. Um, 
and I worked for the club for a little bit more than a year uh, and then did some work for the AFL website and, and the Lions website sort of covering their games and press conferences and stuff. And, yeah, fair to say that in the f- three and a bit years that I was in Brisbane, they didn't play any finals at all. But a, a great experience. I made a lot of good friends there and it was just really interesting to get into an AFL environment and see what's involved and, and mix with the the players, especially because it was an interesting environment in Brisbane because it's not like Perth or Melbourne or Adelaide where the, the spotlight's on you all the time, even though they'd had great success and were well-known, there was still a degree of anonymity up there. And it was, yeah, really interesting times. And was Lethal still the coach then? Uh, he was still the coach there. I've actually got a, a couple of funny stories a, a, about him. And I think, you know, the one thing I'd say about Lee is he's, from my experience, a, a really nice guy. But because of the aura around him, and he's not always the most socially conversational guy. And and I can remember getting in the lift with him at the the Gabba, and fortunately we only had a couple of floors to go up. But I was thinking, geez, what the hell do I talk to Lee Matthews about (laughs) in the the lift? But one of the funny things I can remember is my boss, who was the communications manager, his um, job, and it was a bit more of a low-tech environment, so 2005 I moved there. Um, things were a little less organised from a media perspective. Anyway, my boss's job was to get Lee's handwritten team and type it up and send it off to the AFL to, for, to file the teams. And I think that was sort of a Thursday night that we'd, we'd do that. Anyway, my boss happened to be away this one Thursday night and he said to me, oh, can you go downstairs, get the handwritten team off Lee and, um, and then go upstairs and type it up and send to the AFL, which sounded quite simple. So anyway, I go down there and I'm excuse me, Lee, can I please get your team sheet? Yeah, yeah, no worries. Gives me the team sheet and I get upstairs and I'm typing it out and I've got all the players on the field and I get to the interchange bench and I'm like, oh man, he's named a bloke on the interchange bench who's also on the field. What do I do now? <laughs> so I've had to, <laughs> had to run downstairs into the bowels of the gabber because I'm going on a deadline too mm. that it had to be at the AFL or you get fined. And you have to tell Lee so, that he's made a mistake. Well, yeah, I've knocked, down, knocked on the door and I said, oh, Lee, sorry to come back again, but I think, yeah. I think you've made a mistake. And I was thinking, oh, this is going to go well. And he goes, oh, did I? <laughs> anyway, he just crosses out one of the names on the interchange bench and just straight away writes another name on there. So I don't know whether a... Uh, <laughs> Someone hadn't been told they'll well, play. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't know whether it was the first name that sprung to his mind or not, or if, even if a bloke made a debut when they, they weren't, weren't originally going to. But yeah, so yeah, fun time. He was a, um, you know, he definitely does carry that... Carry that that aura, yeah. you know, he was the player of the century for a reason and, and he carried that aura around for years afterwards. Yeah, great. So you, you sort of mentioned there that you got into the digital space at that time and, and that then led to you coming back to Perth and, and working for Fairfax? Yeah, so the, the, when I went to the Brisbane Lions, my job was sort of running all the content on, on their website. Um, different days, you know, the, in terms of you know, when you think about the internet speeds we enjoy today, I know people laugh about Australia's internet speeds, but trust me, they're a lot faster now than they were 2005. And, you know, back in those days, there were still homes really without it. So that what you could do with the digital um, space was much less than what it is now. But, yeah, that was sort of my my grounding into it, got, in, got involved in it there, did a bit of digital work when I was at the Adelaide Advertiser where I worked as a... Um, a racing writer and a sports journo so worked a bit there and then yeah came back to work for Fairfax in 2011 early 2011 as the um, sports writer for for WA Today which is a, a wholly online enterprise. 
Yeah, and that's really interesting. You make the point about the how quickly it's happened in the digital space, not only for news but just for the general public. You know, mm. the first iPhone only came out in two thousand and seven. Yeah. So you're talking about being in the digital space before even iPhones came out. So yeah. um, the consumption was purely on a you know, desktop computer in somebody's home, as you say, with pretty average internet speeds in in most of those cases. Well, the, the change in consumption habits for me has been amazing. When I got to WA today, and that was a purely online site, um, we had a Facebook page and we had Twitter but we didn't have any idea of what we were doing with them. You know, you put a story, you'd put a story on Facebook, and you know, we'll put it on Facebook and see how it goes. But you didn't really have any tap into the engagement or the analytics about what that actually meant. And then, by the time I became editor of WA Today, which I think was two thousand and sixteen, things had pivoted so much that Facebook was basically our biggest driver of traffic. You know, whereas previously you had a website and you'd hope that people would find their way to their website either knowing what the website was or finding it via Google, um, all of a sudden it became that social media was the biggest driver of traffic. And, and I can distinctly remember, you know, in probably 2012, 2013, and, you know, the iPhone was basically ubiquitous by then and social media was starting to ramp up. And I still didn't believe that people would ever watch video en masse on their mobile phones. I didn't think it was a good experience. And then that has totally changed as well. The amount of the stuff that we do on mobile devices is crazy. I'm fascinated every day catching the train. And this, you, know, you look over somebody's shoulder or they're just <clears throat> standing next to them. And the days of people looking at Facebook actually seem to be less. They are all watching movies. Yeah. You know, pre-recorded show that they've... They've, they've downloaded or they're just streaming because they've got so much data and they're yeah. on the train watching a show. They've got better uh, internet than I do on the uh, train. <laughs> I know that mine's, mine's horrible. I actually, it's really interesting. I, I quite often listen to podcasts on the, um, on the train. I'll manage my fantasy NBA team on there. But the, the other thing I, I like to do weirdly and old school is actually read books or magazines. And it's strange when I do it because when I, People look at you. <laughs> well, when I glance around the carriage, there's no one else doing it. <laughs> yeah, so you, you talked about that consumption of media and, and obviously going to West, the, the West, and probably by the time you got there, it was all about speed of getting online so that you could be the first to get something mm. to be consumed by your readers. So that must have really increased that pressure. Yeah, it's a, that's a really interesting... Um, balance I, I suppose like the the you know the the balance between speed to publish something and getting things right um and that's changed a great deal over time I, I think um you know the balance is probably I think it's probably gone back to a, a better level now but I think for a while the balance tilted very much towards being first rather than being correct mm-hmm. um and, and that's not a statement about the um any outlet in particular, I think that's across the, the whole industry. I think things have pivoted back a, li- a little bit now. Um, but I found that whole, I mean, the, the biggest things, I, when I got into journalism, I I had no, when I joined the minor, I had no overriding desire before that to be a journalist. It just happened to be a job that came up that I thought I could 
perhaps have a go at. Uh, didn't really have any career plans. I'd done writing at uni. My plan was eventually to write books, which still hasn't transpired. Uh, but, you know, the things I most enjoyed and why I stayed with journalism for so long was the, the actual writing and especially like the, the long-form writing. And I think a, a fair bit of that um, probably, you know, for me, given that was the thing that I most enjoyed about the industry, the, the move to quicker faster hotter takes probably really wasn't something I overly enjoyed and I, and I realized the thing that gave me the biggest kick out of being a journalist was probably you know seeping away a little bit I think yeah interesting though you, you talk about it pivoting back I have noticed a bit online that a lot of the news sites are now running serials series of articles that tend to be long form yep and yep. they might have four or five uh, episodes or editions or parts of a, of a story that might run over a week or a fortnight, but they're long form. Mm. And um, so I think there is a, as you say, there's a bit of a pivot back for, for that uh, consumption of really meaty content. Yeah, and I think it's interesting. I mean, we're on, we're on a podcast at the moment, but I think it's very interesting to see the way podcasts have tied into that. Yes. Pretty much every one of those long form um, series also has a, a podcast element to it, which is is interesting. I, you know, to to think back, you know, if we went back when I was talking before about the evolution of video on on mobile phones, you know, the first podcast I can really remember is Serial, the yes. the one um, out of the NPR in the in yep. the US, which was tremendous. But I had not, the idea of a podcast had never occurred to me before then, and um, you know, I've basically been consuming them since then. It's, yes, I really enjoy them. Yeah, they're great. So you made that decision then to, to pivot out of that world. Yeah. And in particular, get a bit of work-life balance. And, you know, we'll say to our listeners, I, I do play golf with you. And I do recall mm. many occasions you'd play on a Saturday morning, you'd come in for a quick drink, have a shower, and then you'd say, I'm off to work. And then I'll be there till 12 <laughs> o'clock at night because you're, you're picking up the story, sports stories of the day that's happening on the East Coast. And then obviously the international stories that are happening from a sports point of view. So, um, yeah, I can imagine it would have been a crazy day. Yeah, best and uh, best and worst day of my golfing career, I had a hole-in-one and then had one beer to celebrate and had to go straight to work. And we all, enjo- <laughs> we all enjoyed the rest of it. Yeah, the bar tab got run up quite a bit after I left that day, actually. Yeah, I think that was the, the biggest thing. I um, The enjoyment for me of my life, because of the amount of hours that I was putting in at work. And again, I put my hand up, I was sometimes my own worst enemy, but I just wasn't um, I just wasn't enjoying life and I didn't think I was being the person that I wanted to be or could be or naturally would be. Um, and, you know, so I just decided to find a, a job um, that would allow me to live a more natural existence. I suppose that's the way I, I'd look at it. And I was very, very, very lucky um, to, to stumble and, I, and stumble is probably half the right word. I had some, um, some friends who gave me a pointer along the way and, and also a recommendation, but I was very lucky to, to happen upon this job at, at Counting's Purple, which has um, been brilliant for me, really, really eye-opening. And, and one of the other key things that I think um, happened to me and, and can be a danger as a, um, as a journalist is you kind of get into a very insular world where it's you know very much about the news you're very focused on the news and one of the things I've always been interested in and you know because I'd 
I guess I didn't know when the journalism ride was going to end, is um, learning more about the business side of um, of the industry, of communications and those kind of things. And that's one of been, been one of the best things about Canning's Purple, to learn the business side and, and what goes in into that. And have you found coming into the, you know, in inverted commas, the, the, the corporate world, mm. um, have you found that people act differently, operate differently than, than you perhaps um, when you were a, a journalist, you know, perhaps sticking a, a recorder in their face, as um, opposed to sitting across the book from a board table trying to elicit communication out of them? Yeah, I suppose, I mean, I was very lucky that I was a sports journalist for most of my career and, you know, 90% of sports writing is, you know, you're not necessarily trying to dig up dirt or um, put people to the sword or, you know, whatever it might be. Like it's, it's, that's actually probably, a, that's probably a, an unfair betrayal of what journalists do. But it, it's, it's very different to be reporting on sport um, as it is to grilling a politician at a doorstep or um, covering a court case or, you know, whatever it might be like that. So I, I probably didn't, I was lucky enough not to have so many of those experiences where you, you know, there's nastiness involved, but you know there there were a few instances. I, I suppose the the overwhelming thing when you work with clients is it's a relationship. You know they have something they want to get out of that relationship. Um, you know we have something we want to get out of the relationship, and you work together to to reach a goal. So yeah, it's it's probably more of that that teamwork element. I, I suppose I would say yeah. And just a. A really random question, but mm. um, what's the vibe like in the terrace at the moment? Is it sort of upbeat from an economic point of view? Are people sort of um, feeling confident and and you know planning for a good future, or are they being still a little conservative? I'm probably the wrong person to ask there because I don't necessarily mix at the levels where you could get a a really good view of it. What what I could what I would say is that I haven't really seen any obvious pessimism. Um, you know, everyone that I bump into seems to be upbeat about the future. So, yeah, I, I, I would hazard a guess yes, but um, you might have to get a future uh, guest on who has more expertise than me in those matters, Tone. So you you made this change. You've, you're now working and really focusing on that work-life balance. Yep. Um, I've got to ask you really... Telling question: mm. Has that improved your golf? <laughs> no. Uh, uh, oh no. Well, no. I've had a couple of times where I've got down to my lowest handicap, which was about an eight, and I got down to one while I was still. At, I got down at once while I was still at the West, and I got down to it a couple of times since I've left. Then, but I think my. You know, the, the experience of my handicap would be that it fluctuates over time. It goes in and out and in and out. And, you know, I think I had um, I think I had three months last year where I never cracked my handicap and then hit it seven times in eight weeks or something stupid. So, well, that's yeah, golf for you. Silly, silly game, golf. I don't know why we play it, yeah, apart yeah, from the fact yeah. that it's so much fun. So much fun. <laughs> it's very addictive. So just a question to start to, to wind up. Mm. You've made this change. You've now pivoted your life. What are you? How are you approaching the next four or five years from a career point of view? And 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 do you think you're looking at it differently now than you would have looked at it 
say three or four years ago? Definitely, I definitely, th- I definitely think about it more now. Whether that's because I have more time now that my head's not buried in the the rush of the online world, I, I definitely think about it more. I'm I'm probably no clearer to knowing exactly what my future holds. One of the things I like at the moment, I really enjoy is I'm adding new skills. So learning to um, to edit video, which is something I've picked up in the last few months, really getting a kick out of that. It, it's challenging and frustrating sometimes, but really quite exciting. Um, same with podcasts. I'm going to do some podcast editing at, at some stage. One thing that I actually want to do with my career at some stage, and I'm 42 now, so I probably need to start thinking about making it happen over the next five years at some stage, but I would really like to work in the golf industry, something around the administration and um, promotion and and marketing of golf. I think it's such a, I've got such passion for it as a as a sport, and I think I have some skills that could, could transition to that. So that's something I, I really think about. Um, but, you know, for me at the moment, you know, I'm, I guess I'm, I'm conscious of, of, you know, adding new skills because I think the more versatile you are, you know, the, the more chance you have of, of furthering career and, and finding roles that, you know, you continue to make progress with. Yeah, it's interesting you made the point about the, you know, film editing and, and those sorts of things. It's so accessible now to, you know, the, the uneducated or, or the untrained and, you know, Doing this podcast has, you know, allowed me to to edit audio and become, you know, um, doing something I've never did before. And there's so many opportunities in terms of free software and and um, you know, great YouTube videos of how to do it. Well, and, I was going to say everything's there. How, how helpful is Google? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Doctor Google is brilliant. The amount of times I've had to ask uh, Google to for help with things, and um, you know, like if I go back to my starting out in in Kalgoorlie I'm I'm not even sure Google particularly I'm sure it probably did exist in some way but it certainly wasn't as um all pervasive as as it was then you know people I was probably searching through Alta Vista or something (laughs) still (laughs) yeah look Simon thanks for joining us on Max's Island um an interesting thing that that the last couple of podcasts that um last couple of episodes have been with guests who have really looked at the, the the changes that they've made and their stories around their change of their life and mm. I think it's perhaps timely for all of us I think we're all going through that stage where it is you know common now for for many people and no matter what your age to always have the opportunity to pivot move in a different direction and 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 then look for new opportunities so thanks for sharing your story with us and um, before we we go is there anything you'd like to plug um any social media um or anything that you else that you're involved in and maybe something to do with what you're doing at work yeah listen i'll, I'll give a couple of plugs one's for the mosman park uh, golf club it would be unfair on the uh, club if i didn't give that a plug um i live there and uh, and play there and it's a uh, it's a great place for anyone out there wanting to get into golf um come down and have a look at our facilities. It's a great, fun place to be. And if anyone wants to have a drink in the uh, the best bar in Perth... Without doubt, the best Head bar on down, the, the best views across the river there. Yep. The other thing I'd give a plug to is um, Cannings Purple. Um, we're a strategic communications consultancy. I think I've said that uh, correctly. Um, 
really good organisation, great place to work for anyone who um, works in my kind of space, comms, um, and sees a role advertised here, don't hesitate to, to apply. Uh, for anyone looking for strategic comms advice, the best in the business right here. And you can find us canningspurple.com.au. You can uh, see my work on our little news site, which is the 268.com.au. And you can follow us on social media across uh, Facebook, LinkedIn and Twitter, which is at canningspurple. And I actually subscribe to your newsletter, so um, I get that. In fact, you're the you believe... one. No, I'm joking. <laughs> would you believe one came today? One, one did come today, actually. Uh, and I find them really interesting to to go through, and um, and especially the innovative some of the innovative ways that you're using video and those sorts of things in your articles. It's great. Oh, excellent! Glad to hear it, Tony. Yeah. So anyway, Appreciate it. thanks for being on Max's Island. Thanks very much for having me. He was lost in the details of life Each day was a blur Oh work and no play And how, how it had turned out this way He told me his plan A short-term escape Five weeks on the bibbling track Go it alone, no one to blame If he finished Phone and nothing.